If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter 1. We're in a teaching series called uh, Overjoy, looking at the birth narrative out of Luke. And uh, we're just going to read some together this morning and uh, spend some time talking. So Luke, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse, uh, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named, what's her name? Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Favored woman. It's a kind of an enig, uh, uh, enigmatically states God's purpose for Mary. It's a hint of, of something to come, a, a privileged one. It goes on to say uh, in the next verse, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She ponders this wordless question of why, is, why am I favored? What is this, this greeting? Where is it coming from? And the angel, as if able to perceive her thoughts, answers. In the very next verse, in verse 30, it says, uh, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There it is again. Favored one. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him, what is it? Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Gabriel shows up and promises a, a, a son, and guess what? Sorry, you don't get to pick his name. His name's going to be Jesus. There's going to be greatness about him. He will be the Son of God from the throne of David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end end. And Mary in verse 34 goes on and asks uh, an obvious question, but how can this happen? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel's ready again with a response in verse 35. The, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative, Elizabeth, remember we've talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth the past couple weeks. Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And then this great verse, uh, this great uh, 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 awesome saying that was uh, first said to Abraham and Sarah uh, when they were told that they would have a child Remember verse 37, if you don't have it highlighted, you need to have it highlighted in your Bible. For nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel invites Mary in her own situation to believe in the God of wonders. And then in verse 38, climactically, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. 
the Annunciation is uh, um, celebrated in uh, liturgical child, uh, in liturgical traditions on a, a March 25th, exactly nine months prior to December 25th, when Gabriel comes to Mary and says, "Surprise, surprise! You're going to have a child." So to talk about the Annunciation and talk about this great event, uh, uh, we have to talk about Madonna. I think we have an image, maybe. There it is. Um, um, did you hear about the concert where Madonna sang in tune? Yeah, neither did I. <clears throat> What's, uh, what do Madonna's songs and laxative have in common? Yeah, they both irritate the crap out of you. Um, sorry, I don't know why I'm just picking on her. Uh, let's talk about not this Madonna, but the Madonna. Go ahead and, uh, uh, Stephen, hit that, uh, hit that next slide. The Madonna in Latin means my lady. And in art, in, in maybe in the history of art, there's probably few figures that have received more attention than that of Mary. Some of the earliest images we have of, of her earliest conceptions uh, date all the way back to the second and third century. Uh, even some of the legends, now I, I can't, I can't verify this, but some of the legends, so Luke is writing the story of a gospel and says, Luke says, hey, I've, I've consulted many firm witnesses about this. Like, I, I've talked to people. And some have even suggested that Luke, in his writing, actually consulted Mary, actually interviewed her as to what happened around that time. And, and even more, if you can could just reach a little bit further, some have even suggested that Luke was the first one to ever draw a picture of Mary in real life. And we have these images. That's actually Salvador Dali. We have a, uh, uh, her, her, her portrait, her face, the Madonna, has been uh, 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 conceived by everyone from Ducio to Da Vinci to Michelangelo to Raphael, Giolini, Caravaggio, uh, uh, modern artists like Dali or Henry Moore. I wanted to share just a few of them because you, you probably, if you go on Google and search images of the Madonna, it, you'll just get pages and pages and pages because we're fascinated about this character in Scripture, about her life, about her experience. How old were you when, uh, when you got engaged? You guys remember? All right, let's do the test. I'm, I'm totally going to call people out. Ken Osing, how old were you when you got engaged? 35. All right, is that right? Okay. <laughs> I got to test that. I got to test it. Um, who else should I pick on? Clint, how old, are, how old were you when you got engaged? 27. All right, Lee Coulter, how about you? 30. <laughs> I was going to ask Paul, how old, how old were you? 26. So, man, was anybody, did anyone get engaged really young? How old? 17, 20? I think I was 21. My wife's not in here, so uh, 21, 22, somewhere in there. 17, 18, 21? Yeah, it seems, uh, 
there was a time to be get engaged, you know, right out of high school or, or as you began college, like that, that was kind of no big deal. But that age gap is kind of extended now. Now it's kind of generally happens later in the, uh, in the, in the mid-20s. But in the culture of, uh, of the New Testament, engagement usually lasted about a year and happened around the 13th birthday of the woman. So we don't know how old Mary was when she was engaged, uh, but it could have been as early as 13. So I, I know we've got uh, some uh, teenagers in here. Um, in fact, uh, Liliana, I think, just recently had your 13th birthday, right? Um, so imagine a 13-year-old girl like, uh, what are you, uh, what, occupy, what occupies your time right now, Liliana? Like, what are you thinking about? What are you interested in? <laughs> she has nothing to live for. I don't know. She, you know, um, let me ask you this. Do you have a boyfriend? No boyfriend? Would it be weird to have a boyfriend? No? Okay, okay, good. Um, would, it be, uh, would it be okay if your parents went ahead and betrothed you to be married? How would you feel about that? <laughs> She simply says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Um, how would you feel about getting married? Sorry, I'm, I'm totally picking on her right now, but you're doing great. You feel like you're ready? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it today, like a 13-year-old, like, can't, can't vote, can't drive. Um, you know, even the idea of marriage for a 13-year-old is, is, you know, crazy for us. And now picture, not only is she getting married, she's pregnant. Um, Liliana, what would your parents say if you told them you were pregnant? Oh. <laughs> Trish is up here making the hurling motion. Um, Uh, have you ever tried to explain the, the virgin birth to someone who, uh, maybe someone who doesn't have a faith? Um, it, it's not easy. It's not easy. It, it's one of those kind of big things of, of faith and Christianity, like, like the resurrection. Like, like it's just one of these big ideas in Scripture. Like, okay, so um, Mary says, she, she says, I've, how can this be? I've never known a man. And that's the... Yeah, that's what that means, known a man. Like she says, I, this, is, this has never happened for, for me. And so when you try to explain, okay, Mary was a virgin, but she became pregnant, and you try to explain this to an unbeliever, they say, yeah, right. Mary and Joseph totally snuck off, you know. And he said, no, 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 no. She, that's what she says. She's never, she's never known a man. That this, this thing that happens with her is, is a profound work of God. It's, it, it, scripture goes to great lengths to say that this is the initiative God, of God and God alone. The initiative of the Holy Spirit. He is creator of the universe after all. And he does this whole thing theologically. It, it, what he does in Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit creates a, uh, an awesome kind of connection, a, a, a special relationship between God and humanity. It's kind of they meet in, in her together. 
But if you think you've maybe had a hard time explaining the virgin birth, I guarantee Mary had a harder time than you did. Imagine. Maybe 13, engaged, but not married. What do you say to your friends? What do you say to your neighbors? What did she say to Joseph? (laughs) How do you think she broke the news to her parents? How do you think that went? (laughs) It was one of these moments in Scripture, like, I need more information. Um, If... uh, if I place myself in, in her dad's shoes, in, in Mary's father's shoes, uh, I'm killing somebody, right? <laughs> like anger is my first response. Someone's going to die, uh, probably soon to be followed by my own daughter, who I'm going to murder her also because I'm furious at what has just happened. Think about the culture of this time. I mean, um, would that have been accepted? You think there were rumors. You think she endured 13 disgrace and ridicule. Um, Mary wasn't in her parents' favor, (laughs) at least at this moment. Maybe she wasn't even in Joseph's favor, at least initially. And she definitely was not in society's favor. So how is it that twice the angel Gabriel calls her favored one? Why her? What made her so favored? Was it that she was just a sweet little preteen girl? Uh, was it the fact that, that she was so innocent and pure and nice? You know, frankly, if I was going to choose someone, uh, I would choose someone holy and respectable. Uh, if I was going to choose for, for God to send his son through somebody, I would choose somebody like Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah is from the priestly tribe. He and Elizabeth are both from the priestly tribe, so they get bonus points for marrying each other. They're extra holy. Even Luke goes to great extent to say that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're old and they're respected. They're righteous in God's sight. They always have followed the commands of God. They're the people you go to at church when you have a question about faith or are struggling with your marriage. They're the respected, faithful people in the community. Even Zachariah works in the temple. And if I was sending the Son of God to someone, I would choose Zachariah... And Elizabeth. And yet God chooses a young girl instead. And I think it has to do, um, I think the reason Mary's favorite has to do with the responses. So Zachariah and Elizabeth's story is placed in comparison. Luke wants you to see these two stories together. They're to compare and contrast Zechariah and Mary. 
And if you remember in the story of Zechariah, Zechariah's working in the temple. The same angel appears to Zechariah, this great, holy, awesome guy, and says, guess what? You're going to have a son. You're going to name him not Jesus, but you're going to name him John. And Zechariah says, hold on. I'm way too old for this. Elizabeth's way too old for this. And I think there's something in Zachariah's heart that, that's different than the story of Mary because Zachariah hesitates. He, he doubts. And for that, what happens to him? The power of speech is removed. At least until he confesses that his child's name will be John. So the one you expected to respond in the right way doesn't. You know, Zachariah kind of responds like a, a teenage girl might, like, oh, are you sure me? Are you sure I'm the right one? But then look how Mary responds. Look what it says in verse 38. Look at this response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. That's pretty noble. Thirteen. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Do you see the faith of this kid? I mean, it's coming out of her. Sure, she questions of, hey, you know, how's this going to happen? I'm, I'm not. But apparently, the, she doesn't have the level of doubt that Zachariah held on to. Hey, this great thing, this big thing is going to happen to you. And, and yeah, your parents aren't going to be happy. And, and society's not going to understand. And you're going to really have to explain things to your fiancé also. And how does Mary respond? I'm the Lord's servant. Let's do it. Elizabeth brags on her in the, in the next few verses. If you read ahead, Mary uh, goes to see Elizabeth. Remember this scene? And Mary enters the house where Elizabeth's at. And the child with inside Elizabeth jumps for joy. And in that moment, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she blesses Mary, and she blesses the child within Mary. And then Elizabeth says this of Mary. She says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Why is Mary favored? Because she believed. Mary is given the last word, and as a statement of faith, declares her unreserved readiness for God's purpose. She, in this moment, in that one statement, she gives for us the, the, the prototype, the pattern of what Christian faith is to look like. Whatever God says, I'll do it. I'm the Lord's servant. She prayed not that, that most common of, of our prayers, which is, Lord, your will be changed But she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Your will be done. 
Um, just uh, the other night, our, our church volunteered at the manger. So GraceWorks Manger is, is happening right now. It happens for, for eight nights, and GraceWorks is this great ministry. And the, the manger is a way of providing gifts for families in the, in the community. And, and over eight nights, they'll, uh, they'll provide gifts for about 100 families each and every night. So we volunteered. There was a great crew from Aspen Grove this past Friday night. Uh, but you still have a chance if you want to go volunteer. Invite you to go and do it. Uh, it's going to be happening basically all through next week. All the gifts you see outside under the tree are gifts that that we've collected. We sent our teenagers with the church credit card, and they bought a ton of stuff. Um, well supervised, but. Uh, uh, all those gifts are going to go to the manger this week to go and to serve families. And uh, if you haven't been, I really suggest that, that you go. And the way this works is that as volunteers, you kind of line up on a wall and, and they set up, it, it's just like a big store, it's like a big shop. And so these families in need kind, kind of come to the door and, and I always get to be the doorman, which is really fun. So I get to introduce volunteers to, to families in need and say, okay, these are your personal shoppers, they're here to carry stuff, you pick it out, they'll Period. And, and as volunteers, as personal shoppers, you, you, you shop with them and then help them gift wrap and carry it to their car and, and just kind of give them the full experience. And, uh, and it was awesome. It, it was awesome. We, I've loved doing it. We've done it for, for years and years now. And uh, uh, I, I, I think even this past Friday night, I, I love my job as the doorman because I get to meet people and learn their names, but I also get to, get to tell people, okay, you're shopping for one adult and two kids or two adults and one kid or, or whatever. And, uh, I, and so I get to kind of introduce myself and learn names and all that kind of stuff. And uh, man, there, there were awesome stories even from this past Friday night. Uh, uh, just standing at the door two or three times, um, people just broke down in tears as soon as they saw the Christmas shop. You know, for them, it was, you know, and, and I'm not a hugger kind of, I'm not a nice guy, really. I, I don't like hugger uh, anything, but like I could see, you know what I'm saying? Like you could see it in people's face before it even, and I would just come and put my, hu- my arm around them, they just break down, you know, and they're, thank you, thank you, thank you. We didn't know, we didn't know how we were going to do this. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know. And in those moments at the mangers, I'm, as I'm partnering families with, with people coming in, there, was a, uh, there were two girls that, that came up to, to volunteer to be personal shoppers. Uh, man, they, I, I don't even know if they were 13. But it was these two girls, and they were friends, and I remember the name of one, um, Molly. Uh, because these, these two girls come up, and I'm like, hey, okay, are you guys up for this? Y'all know what you're doing. And Molly, without missing a beat, said, we're ready. We got this. I was like, all right, I'm going to send you a family with two adults and nine kids. You got this. We got this. We, and, and Molly is like so incredibly like exuberant. And her friend, you know how, how young girls are? Her friend just starts jumping up and down like, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these two young girls are sitting here and, and you know, some of the families that are coming through look a little bit rough. You know, they, they haven't had the easy life we've had and, and, and can kind of be scary. But, but, but Molly and her partner, man, they weren't turned off by, by nothing. I was like, all right, all right. y'all ready? We, we got this. We got this. And Molly is about this high. I said, okay, you're going to talk to these adults and you're going to help them and you don't care how many kids they have and, and how many gifts you're going to have to carry. No, we got this. We're good. 
we're good. I don't know. Something about Molly, man, just just inspired me. You know, it wasn't a. Uh, it, it was it, it it was unique to me. It wasn't her name wasn't Mary, but it was Molly in the manger. Is what I saw. In 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 a girl this height, just fearless. Fearless. I've said this before, but I think like like junior high girls need to be greeters at, at all of our doors because they've got this special gift of like exuberance and and generally they smile and are happy and are are so non-threatening. It makes it, you know what I'm saying? Like God's got a special purpose just for them. You know, it's like, oh man, put them out there in front, let them greet people because they have this way of, you know, they're, they're, they don't have any preconceived notions or any prejudice. You know what I'm saying? Like they they seem so willing and and little Molly in the manger was just fearless. Didn't matter. Didn't matter the task. Didn't matter how big. If I had told him, hey, Molly, I need you to go run around the parking lot ten times and come back in. Okay, I'll be right back. You know, it's like she didn't care. Whatever the job was, she was, she was going to do it. And, and she wasn't concerned about, about what, what it would cost her. In her, I saw Mary. I am your servant. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done. Whatever you ask, let it be done. I think this story reminds us that that Jesus enlists ordinary folks to, to a much larger, to participate in a much larger project than our own lives. He sweeps us up into a pageant otherwise known as the kingdom of God. I love how William Barclay says that, that God does not choose a person for ease and comfort and selfless joy. And you know that was the case with Mary. It wasn't easy for her. Sure, she was the blessed mother of the Son of God, but she was also there the day he was killed. It wasn't an easy, comfortable thing. She wasn't, she wasn't called to ease or comfort. And God does not choose a person for ease and, and comfort and selfish joy, but for a task that will take all that head and heart and hand can bring to it. I think God chose her because of her faith. And, and I think maybe, maybe this is, is too much of a reach, but I think he's chosen us also. I think God has planted seeds of his will in each and every one of you. And if you could have a quiet moment with him, I think he would reveal his purpose, his will to you. Some kingdom dream, some kingdom idea that he wants you to bring to life in this world. Some kingdom thought that he desires you if you will, to give birth to. We can pray, your will be changed. Or we can respond like little Molly, little Mary. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up.
As they're coming up, in just a moment, we're going to enter into a time of uh, communion and response. And we've got tables with the elements of communion uh, around our room. It's something we do every week. We think it's really important and good. And maybe if you have questions about what it is or why we do it, we'd love to talk to you more and, and answer some of those questions. Uh, this is for us also a time of response. So I'm just going to move to the back of the room. If there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, then, uh, uh, man, we, we, we want that opportunity. Um, there's ways we can uh, serve your family. Maybe you know that God has put a calling on your heart, a calling on your life, a purpose in your life, and you have, like Zachariah, been saying, oh, no, 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 I don't know. And maybe this Advent season, as we look forward to the return of Christ, that calling is bubbling up again, and, and we want to help you discern what that is, if we can, and help you step into it. Maybe we need to take the angel Gabriel's advice. If you spend some time this week in meditation on this, uh, on this text, look what, look what the angel actually says to Mary. These are some pretty f- powerful words, uh, uh, especially as it relates to God's call for your life and for our participation in his kingdom will. What's the first thing Gabriel says to little Mary? You remember? Don't be afraid. What's the last thing Gabriel says? Nothing is impossible for God. Why don't you stand as we pray together? Father God, we come before you inspired by your word, inspired by this story. This, 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 this thing actually happened. This was a real thing. It was a real event. It was a real moment. And so, Father God, as we look in awe at the Madonna, the, at Mary, let us, uh, let us admire her innocence and exuberance and her grace. But, Father God, let us Let us look at her faith and the way she responded to you as our example. Father God, maybe there's things right now that that you're calling and compelling each of us to do. Uh, A piece of your kingdom each of us uh, can advance. Father God, help us to respond with the same faith that this young girl did. We don't know how, how old she was exactly, but her faith was big and it was strong. And so, Father God, we stand here about to enter into a time of communion to align our lives with, with the life of your son, Jesus, Father God. Let, we, let us do so with the exact same words that Mary spoke. I am the Lord's servant. Father God, not your will be changed, but your will be done. Father God, we love you. This is such a fun and exciting season. Let us consider its true meaning and purpose. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and his birth. And it's in his name that everyone together says,